Hello everyone. This is Scraps, a podcast that explores the stories of science and innovation, hosted by me, Arun Shridhar, and my co-host, Jojo Platt. First, a very warm welcome to all of you who have taken the time out to listen to us in the midst of your busy schedules. Please go one step further for us. Please spread the word about our podcast and share our podcast link with your friends and family. I'm sure they would love to hear the stories as much as you do. And if you if you use the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review us. If you use social media, please engage with us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Your feedback retweets and mentions will be much appreciated let's get into the podcast for the day a few weeks ago i was uploading one of our earliest episodes of the podcast and i came across this beautiful voice of one of my favorite commentators as i clicked on the ad i listened to his smooth silken voice weaving through some of the facts that was in the back of my mind so much so that it reminded me of one of the very first poems i remembered learning while in kindergarten in my native language of tamil it was about an indian astronaut called rakesh sharma who went to space on a russian rocket to take the picture of the moon and more importantly of india in all its glory i was 3 years old when this event happened and i had my family rave about it for years and here is that audio that i listened to and i would love for all of you to take a listen to that ऊपर से भारत कैसा दिखता है आपको दिस वॉज एन आइकॉनिक कॉन्वर्जेशन फोर्थ अप्रिल For the first time in history, an Indian was floating in space, miles above the Earth, and describing that experience to another Indian on Earth. Let me introduce you to these two people: Squadron Leader Rakesh Sharma, the first and only Indian to have travelled to space, was in conversation with the then Prime Minister Indira Gandhi. wearing a bright white giant space suit and barely able to stifle his grin behind his giant glass visor squadron leader sharma was sitting inside the soviet space station salyut 7 while mrs gandhi was in the doordarshan studio in new delhi i was 23 years old when this happened i just started out as a commentator at all india radio in hyderabad like millions of my fellow indians at the time i remember reading about this conversation in the newspaper feeling completely exhilarated even a little emotional india's space aspirations had gained its enduring symbol an indian had managed to break free from the grasp of gravity and had reached where few humans had reached before what an unbelievable moment as a commentator and occasional voice artist i cannot resist the charm and excitement that a good story has to offer i search for such stories quite regularly in cricket To me every match has the potential to be a solid thriller with its own drama and subplots. But when I heard the story of how India reached space, I wasn't just drawn to it. I was a little stumped as well. For centuries, 
Humans have been undeniably fascinated with what lies beyond the Earth's thin atmosphere. Indians are no exception to this. But what's exceptional about India's space aspirations is the fact that they were deemed impossible right from the start. This is a classic underdog story, one that I'm incredibly excited to narrate. It's a thrilling, how did we get here saga that has all the elements of a good thriller, an action-packed opening chapter, many affable protagonists, unforeseen twists, a ticking clock and a world-class ending. From ATS Studio, this is Mission ISRO, a Spotify original podcast about how India reached space. I'm Harsha Bhogle. Over the course of this podcast, I'll take you through the life and work of India's space pioneers. From Vikram Sarabhai, Homi Jahangir Baba, to Satish Dhawan and of course, APJ Abdul Kalam. You'll get to go behind the scenes during the launch of India's first few rockets, satellites, satellite launching vehicles, and of course, the first Indian's trip to space. It's a journey you would not want to miss. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. After wiping away the nostalgic tears of my childhood and a renewed interest in the topic and a personal connection that I shall come to later, I dug deeper to find out who was behind the show. I reached out to the producer and spoke to him the same day over the phone, complimenting him on how this particular podcast, Mission ISRO, was one of the best pieces of scientific narration and storytelling. I strongly recommend it as it chronicled the unsaid story of a quest for a young, poor third world country's search for knowledge, prosperity, and over time, demanding its rightful place in the world. For people who do know this, the Indian Space Research Organization has launched more satellites for any other country, so much so that In 2017, the Indian Space Research Organization, or ISRO, launched a jaw-dropping 104 satellites in a single rocket. 96 of those 104 satellites were for United States of America, making it the largest number of satellite launches in a single rocket. Today, we are joined by Mission ISRO podcast creators. It is a Spotify original show. They are part of an excellent team and a company called allthingsmall.in. It's a media and entertainment company. And without further ado, welcome to the show, Gaurav Vaz and Archana Nathan. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That, that was, by the way, uh, more of an intro than we've received in the last uh, <laughs> whatever months we've put together this podcast. It's definitely worthy, Gaurav. <laughs> but I was I was so fascinated by um, by the story that you guys so artistically put together, and um, so many Americans are familiar with Kennedy's call for a moonshot and Neil Armstrong landing on the moon and Sputnik. Even um, there's an awareness of some of the Russian space agencies. Um, technologies and and timelines that beat out ours in this sort of 
neck and neck race to get to space. And there's not a lot of, at least my impression is there's not a lot of American awareness of India's role in the race to reach outer space. And, and it was a riveting story. And I'm just curious how, how you guys um, came together on this topic and how you, you came to, to be as a team. Well, the same thing is true, actually, in India. We know more about Kennedy's call to go to the moon and Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and uh, everything that America does. We know more about it than our own space journey. It's, it's the exact same thing, which is, which is mighty sad if you think about it. Uh, and and with, with the company that we started, I mean, our company is exactly a year old. October last year, we started. October 2019, and then six months into the company starting, we were thrown into this pandemic. And uh, <clears throat> the the podcast division actually kickstarted from a conversation that we had with Spotify. Completely, uh, it was just it was just one of those things. It was a meeting that was set up saying, "Hey, Spotify is looking to do some podcasts. Would you guys do it?" Because we had no track record. We had never produced anything. Uh, when we first went and met Spotify, it was a complete, just an introduction to a friend uh, and through a friend. And we went and met them. And I don't think they cared too much about it either. And we we produced a pilot. I don't think we've ever released it. But it, we produced a pilot where I was part scriptwriter and producer. And my co-founder, Sidin, was the uh, host and he, the two of us put together this podcast with clips from YouTube and uh, we, we didn't interview anybody. In fact, we pretended to be scientists and uh, <laughs> interesting characters on the internet. And we, uh, we, did this, we did this pilot episode on the story of uh, did India really invent the zero, which is one of the biggest things that is credited to India. Uh, that we invented the zero and changed the world of mathematics and science because of it. And it was just like a 20-minute investigative episode about did India uh, really come up with the zero? And that's actually from a book that Sidin, my co-founder, has written. So it was easy to put that together. I just needed to read the book and write it into a script. Uh, and that was then we, we, we shipped it off to Spotify without thinking too much about it and said, okay, if you think this is the direction that you'd like us to follow, then look us up. And then that led to uh, them calling us back and saying, you know, I mean, no one's pitching content like this in India. The stories that we're getting are very different. And uh, do you have other ideas? And we sent them actually our first presentation that I made and sent to Spotify was a series of, I think, 40 different podcast ideas saying, here are all the ideas we can think about. And in that, I think idea number 17 or 18 was was this one slide called Mission ISRO, uh, which was actually for me, I wanted to tell, I had just listened to 13 Minutes to the Moon, and uh, which, is, which is the story that you're talking about, the Kennedy call to the space race and how India, uh, sorry, how the U.S., with Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin went to the moon in in the 60s, right? So so I just heard that podcast and I remember reading this uh, story of 
how an all-women team or a majority women-led team had put one of the cheapest space missions together from India. And I think it cost a third or a fifth of the cost of sending a regular space mission or a moon mission. And I was like, why don't we make that the story? And that's what Mission ISRO originally started as. And then uh, I think Archana was researching some completely different idea for us uh, at that time. It was it was a story that we were trying to do something completely different uh, with. And uh, she was actually also, you were also writing another podcast for us at the same time, right? It's, it's yeah. a podcast that's still running. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, she, that's an explainer um, on how things work in India. So back, this was back in March and April when uh, um, I think uh, even before that, uh, a couple of months before that, Jan onwards, that uh, we'd begun work on this uh, explainer that sort of explain uh, picks up one topic about India, um, whether it's the GDP or the government or uh, the budget and uh, just explains how it's done. And uh, so that I was, yeah, I was working on the scripts for, for that podcast and I had no idea that in April uh, <laughs> uh, that all of this actually, whatever Gaurav uh, already said, uh, that they had pitched and that this was in the pipeline, I had really no idea. So it was only in April that I um, um, decided to... Uh, I mean, Gaurav made an offer and like he said that uh, he asked, I was freelancing for them. So then he said, why don't you come on board full time? And uh, so it's April when I joined and uh, my second project was... Uh, it's a good time to get a job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right at the beginning of the pandemic when everybody yeah. else was losing theirs. I think uh, every month ever since I have been uh, thinking about that conversation with Gaurav that night in uh, April and I'm like... <laughs> If I had said no, I think I would have really regretted it. And uh, <laughs> this, this is this. Yeah, it. it I didn't I'm glad you're recording this. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're recording this. I'm going to ask for a copy. You can actually play it at every team meeting, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially whenever Archana says no to something, you can play this. That's right. Um, and yeah. and by the way, for the listeners, I think the other person that that Gaurav is referring to called Sidin Vadukud. Um, most people, especially most um, South Asian graduate students in India um, and kind of immigrants to the United States uh, would actually know of Siddin's very, very, very famous blog. Um, and one of his famous blog entry, uh, I'm just going to read it out loud. If anybody wants to go and Google this, it's still up. I just checked half hour ago. It's called as the travails of single South Indian men of conservative upbringing or why we don't get any dot, 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 uh, close quotation mark. I think Sidin, I, I've known Sidin's work from for many years ago, um, just in the world of blogs. In, and that's around the start of how blogging started. And Sidin's blog has always been one of the most entertaining ones. So when I found out that Sidin was also one of the brains behind the show, I was extremely thrilled. And that's when we made the decision to actually bring both of you on the show just to say, tell us the story about about the Mission ISRO podcast, which I think the hidden stories behind the actual story is what we are interested in on this podcast. So thank you so much. Uh, 
which so yeah so so we when we started this uh, it was meant to be the story of those women who sent our moon mission uh, uh, put that together but when we actually i think sidin narshan and i had this conversation once and then we said why won't we start at the beginning and uh, I, th- i mean we went through some heartbreaking discussions about uh, was the was the what was the most iconic indian space moment and to me it was always the Rakesh Sharma uh, going to yes. space, but if you think about it, that was not ISRO at all. The and and you'll and and we've already discussed that in the in the podcast, so it's not a maybe it's a spoiler, but maybe it's not. But uh, it, it that was not an ISRO technically an ISRO mission at all. Rakesh Sharma wasn't even a astronaut. He was a he was actually a, a, an air. air force indian air force pilot the and he was sent there and uh, but but the impact of that uh, line when when he said sare jahan se acha which again i grew up believing he came up with it on the spot which was as like wow that's one way to prepare for a moment right and, and you want to translate what sare jahan se acha means for for the non hindi or non indian well, listeners Gaurav, we're we're two South Indians translating Hindi, so we might as well. <laughs> It's the same here as well. I would go for it. Three South Indians said translating Hindi. Sare jaise acha. I mean, I guess it literally says better than the rest of the world. Uh, better than all of the world, I guess is 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 how you would say it. And the iconic moment where you're looking down at your. I don't even know if he was looking down at India at that point. He was flying up from over Russia, but he was looking down at the Earth. And when the Prime Minister of your country calls to say "Sare Jahan Se Acha," that was quite an iconic moment. Uh, so that was where we decided to start, and then go back to the absolute beginning of where it started. And I think that from there on, it has all been Archana's. Uh, uh, in intense reading and immense hard work because i mean that that was what got me to make that offer to arshana at all in the first place when we when i asked her to join full time it was just the meticulousness with which i think the obsessiveness with which she writes uh, and and obsessiveness to detail is it's it's pretty apparent in what you guys have been saying about the podcast it's it's a beautifully written and woven story the way you guys have put it together and the meeting of of the right people at the right times um and archana now that i i've heard your um your work on the other podcast and some of the political uh, machinations of of india you can kind of see the political influences that came to play and people's ability to tap into their networks which is something we talk a lot about within our fields is it's it's as much who you know and your connections and how to get to those people as what you know and putting that all together as a package was great how what was the most um surprising part of the backstory that you encountered when you were researching this um so i have to say that uh, i'm not a science journalist at all so i i don't really have uh i've not written about science a lot in uh, in my career as a journalist uh, 
seven years that I've been a journalist so far. And I'm, I'm uh, that is what makes it so refreshing because uh, the way you've done it, it, you've actually done it exactly how most of the science journalists would actually not do. Uh, and you've said it as a story, which is for me, that is the biggest touching point of this. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop glowing about this and I'm going to let you talk. Uh, right. Uh, I mean, that's very kind of you. I, I, I just, um, when uh, when the project was discussed with me, I, my immediate thought was, no, I don't know anything about this. And I, I'm going to really not going to be able to write about this. And then it uh, also occurred to me during our discussions that if a person who doesn't really cover science as as regularly as most science journalists and space journalists in India do, if he or she were to write it, it could perhaps be more accessible for the audience as well. So it that gave me a little bit of confidence, but I have to say that every step of the way and even till like last Friday, every Friday when it when the episode is released, I still have uh, <laughs> the jitters. I'm still nervous if someone's like caught something that I missed, which is very likely. So it's always been, um, so I've approached it um, that way. And so almost all of the story um, to begin with, uh, apart from the popular first man, first Indian in, in space uh, bit, uh, the rest of it, I mean, you hear, growing up, you hear all these scientists' names, uh, Vikram Sarabhai, Homi Baba, Satish Dhawan. These are names you have heard, but um, how they came to sort of, even think of a program like this at a time when nobody in India uh, thought it was possible, even if they had thought of the idea, they didn't think it was possible to pull it off. Um, all of that, the entire story, and I think a lot of the the amazement that you hear in uh, Harsha Bhogle's voice is partly my own amazement as well. Well, as a writer, I'm just constantly amazed at how these guys pull this off at a time when uh, nobody thought it was possible, especially of a country that was just about born. So I think a lot of it was uh, pretty incredible. And I think one of the biggest, um, I mean, if you, one of the, some of the biggest things that like sort of surprised me was uh, the fact that these were not just scientists, but like excellent managers and visionaries, and they were able to pull both of these things together. And that's probably what set them apart from other scientists and other visionaries as well, I mean, an, other, the scientific community was already pretty um, established and doing a lot of incredible work when India was independent. But it was it. There is a reason why it's these guys who went on to set up the space program because they were they had a vast global network. They they also knew they had very good political connections as well. They knew how to. Um, they knew exactly what they were doing. They were, they, they were taking a chance, but they also knew what they were doing. So I feel like that was, I was constantly amazed by how I kept discovering new management lessons through this entire story. It was really incredible. So yeah. I don't even know if it's new. I think some of the things that were even mentioned or that Peter Drucker and others kind of wrote about later on uh, in the 70s, etc., were already being done in real time, uh, much without any knowledge of these principles there at all. I think uh, without spoiling any of this, I think people will need to go and take a listen uh, about how they built a team, talent management. I mean, all the things that people talk about now, 
And there are some eccentric examples there, which I think I would love to get your experiences. But before we go there, I think there was one person. So you spoke about the the two mighty men here, Vikram Sarabhai and and Homi Jahangir Baba, um, who are the two figureheads. But then you actually had one of the most amazing strong-willed scientists and who sounds like a very strong-willed scientist in Dr. Chitnis. And uh, tell us a bit more about um, kind of your experience in meeting him. And more importantly, I think start with, with the story of how he tells his peers when he's at MIT of all places that he is going back to India and, and tell us how they reacted and then tell us about your experience with Dr. Chitnis. Sure. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll go in that order again. Uh, so um, this is 1960s. Uh, uh, Soviet Union has just launched the Sputnik uh, and uh, India is thinking about uh, starting its own space program, uh, specifically um, Vikram Sarabhai and Homi Bhrangi Baba feel that it's the time is right and they should start the space program. Um, E.V. Chitnis is one of uh, Vikram Sarabhai's um, early students and researchers at uh, Physical Research Laboratory, uh, an establishment, a scientific institution that uh, Dr. Sarabhai set up in uh, Ahmedabad. He happened to be in MIT when um, all of these discussions about the space program were happening in India. And so Sarabhai called him up and said, you know, Chitnis, come back and we're going to start the space program. And um, if you listen to the podcast, uh, you'll also realize that Chitnis wasn't like surprised or shocked or anything. He was like, yeah, sure. And just picked up his bags and was ready to leave and come back because, uh, like he says, um, the Indian scientific community was already doing a lot of the space science, but from the ground. They just didn't have the technology and they hadn't yet um, embarked on a space program as such. Um, but just before leaving, Chitnis did uh, tell his colleagues at MIT that, you know, India is going to start a space program, so I'm going back. And uh, apparently they laughed and said, you know, you're still uh, importing food from the rest of the world, especially America. And are you sure you should probably focus on, you know, just uh, surviving or like sort of taking your first steps as a country and isn't space too ambitious and... Uh, Chitnis in his typical style uh, was just like, we know what we're doing and uh, uh, and it, it was dismissed. But obviously, the story that is, is there for all of them to see and, and for MIT's colleagues, I'm sure they've seen uh, how, how it all panned out. So um, one of the most um, coming to how uh, or what the experience of talking to Dr. Chitnis was like, um, one of the most daunting parts of pulling this podcast off during the pandemic is that um, it's it's been conversations over Zoom and over phone calls and uh, not really meeting face to anybody face to face because uh, um, the scientists that we have interviewed in this season are all um, at at their, I mean, they're all vulnerable to the coronavirus even more than uh, you know everybody else, and they're in that age group. So, one that's a risky uh, thing to do. And back in April and May and June, when I was interviewing these scientists, um, travel was just not possible. So Chitnis is in Pune, um, and I had he's ninety five. I called him 
uh, four days or three days before he turned 95. So, um, and I had almost not planned to call him. I had thought that it was not going to be possible because here's a scientist who is 90 years old and I can't be troubling him over the phone, trying to ask him questions about, uh, you know, back, way back in his career at a time when I don't know what he might be grappling with uh, with the coronavirus in India. So I, I kind of had put it off saying that only if I'm, I absolutely have to, will I call him? And um, it so happened that I got the contact, uh, I got his contact number from another scientist that I was interviewing. And I said, okay, let's give this a shot and see. Um, so I actually just called his landline in Pune and uh, I think uh, it was someone in his house. I assume it's it's the caretaker who picked up the phone and it was, I don't speak Marathi. And it, so basically... It took a while for me to explain to A, the caretaker, as well as then after Dr. Chitnis about what I'm doing and who I am and and why he should talk to me about this. And But once he did, uh, he is my absolute favorite interviewee till date in my entire career because he has been, he's such a warm person and he's almost like a mentor immediately. So the minute I told him about this project, he started asking me about who else I'm talking to and who, how I should approach it. It took him a while and I'm still not sure if he understood if this is, that this is a podcast because he still asks me for the article's copy. And he's like, where is the article? <laughs> so I think that's something that I, I, I struggled to explain to him, but he did get it uh, eventually, I think. So yeah, it's been, it, it was really nice to interview him. And I think uh, those who listen to the podcast will will also feel I I hope they do feel his warmth when he talks about and his the, just the fondness with which he talks about this entire program. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's something that we actually see a lot of too in in our respective areas. Um, and and I'm technically not a scientist or or an engineer. And Arun always gets down on me. He's like, stop doing that. It's not that I'm not a scientist or an engineer, but I think you and I are both now immersed in topics that are outside of our um, our educational upbringing, but are, are we've come to embrace them as something near and dear to our hearts. And what I really appreciate is that, um, and this is seems to be a universal theme, no matter what area you're working on, there are these sort of people at the top of the pyramid, these untouchables, um, and it feels impossible to take the risk to reach out and most likely be rebuffed and, and sent to voicemail and never heard from again. Um, and I, I love that, that you did that because, and we found this to be true in, in our field too, that more often than not, these people at the pinnacle are excited to tell their stories and they're excited to share their adventures and, and um, some of the, the challenges that, they face throughout their careers. Cause those are the things in our field that don't get published. You don't negative results are rarely published. Um, you don't hear about the Holy cow, just Holy cow moment. What just happened? This is all going to just break down and die on the spot right here. Um, so for the two of you, was there, was there a moment in this project where it looked like there was doom knocking at your door or was it smooth sailing? Yeah, I guess Ashna should start that. <laughs> there were many of those. <laughs> there were many, many of it. So I think like like Gaurav said, um, uh, none of us have done 
a podcast of this scale or even just i was at least i just written the script for an explainer that uh, whose story began and ended in the same episode so it didn't really um uh, i mean it was relatively now now that i think back easier than uh, something like this which is a narrative podcast which um you have to break the entire storyline into episodes uh ensure that the the listeners going to click on the next episode uh i would want to click on the next episode um ensure that the characters that you introduce in episode 1 are somewhere you know you're following them along the way and uh, if there are new characters find a way to introduce them and not just like spring them up at some point so a lot of those challenges and literally everything was learned on the job um all of us constantly like on calls i i don't think i have ever sounded like i knew it or i could do it i've always been calling gorav and sidin and been like i don't think i know how to do this anymore and we went through a number of processes and um, we we had a great team uh to sort of help us out uh, at an, at throughout the stage from the discussion um to you know getting in touch with a lot of the scientists um again since this is um a field that is is very specialized there are specific people who are covering this uh, as journalists so i when i approach somebody the first question is who are you and what do you know already about space science for you to be writing this so a lot of that those road roadblocks were sort of um um i mean we overcame those because there were there was support available from ats with journalists um our co-founders who knew people who knew people so that's that sort of helped break uh, ice uh, apart from that i think i just enjoy reading uh, and research quite a bit uh, as uh, if, as long as you don't make me write i'll have i will happily write i'll happily read and i'll read forever and take notes and what not but i'm not going i don't want to turn it into anything um so i think because i enjoy that i was happy putting together the <clears throat> story uh, from across sources uh, books interviews a lot of very surprisingly i think one one of the earliest thing that i discovered is that the story of the indian space program isn't actually already documented in print um which is which i thought which i assumed uh, would have been done already because isro is not an unknown organization and so one of the things that came up in my discussion with dr chitnis as well was that why is there no uh, history of this indian space program I, there is there are bits and pieces uh, available in books but it's not put together in one place and most of this is in autobiographies of of yeah. abdul kalam of pramod kai and and yeah. other folk who have actually been there but none that has actually been a more factual kind of chronological event uh, marking of that which is what i think your podcast does in a fantastic way right. um uh so yeah i mean, we read a lot of the books um and uh, then the question was also about uh you know not finding people who are available to talk about this uh there is pramod kali there is evi chitnis um but the podcast requires a whole other skill uh, to be able to explain concepts and scientific uh, uh parts of the space program that um in a very accessible way so i need their time i need their 
energy and all of that to like sort of explain and then there's we've already lost uh, people like dr yashpal yuva rao who would have also made for great interviewees so there was i had we had to make do with with those who we could easily access and sort of interview um then there were books um i think the first roadblock we hit was just i think finding enough people to interview and ensuring that there are enough voices and um all of that and the second roadblock i think was breaking down uh, the entire narrative into 12 sections one that ended on cliffhangers and began with cold opens and um we were all of that i think these are words that are now my every day but i did not know them before april and um uh that and i think um thereafter also writing i think uh, writing for audio has been very different in my experience to my previous uh, writing and that i've had to change and a lot of the ats team has been really helpful in pointing out where i become very verbose and like literary and like come back come back to more conversational um um even though harsha bhogle does great justice to i mean he would if i had written even better i think um harsha bhogle would have done even better justice also to to the writing uh, he's sure also would have done if he ever gets to listen you know what that uh so i think i think uh, yeah I, i i don't know if i've covered all the roadblocks i just want to say that there were many roadblocks essentially yeah and and self doubt is a natural process in science and i think yeah. which which i think as scientists it's almost in in the blood but yeah. a lot of people give up science because they can't take the self doubt they are they can't take the failure so i think what we are finding is that the so called soft skills of resilience of of keeping at it although it's ingrained in a scientist kind of mentality not everybody who does science actually keeps at it so therefore it's natural that when you do a story about science and a scientific topic that you kind of have those self doubts but but it's turned out great so yeah i just want to add one one thing yeah. sorry i just i just um, one of the things that came uh, sort of gave me confidence was actually from the isro story itself uh when i was talking to dr chitnis about finding tumba i'm not going to reveal too much for those who haven't listened to the podcast but essentially he was the one that was given the task of finding a location for the indian space program and so i asked him so what if you were to fail uh, you just come back from mit and uh, you're going on this trip so what if you were to fail and he very categorically told me that you know we are scientists we don't think emotionally we think rationally we put a b c steps in place and that would lead to a certain result if the result isn't satisfactory then you look back at the steps that you took to reach that result and then rework and see what is a better route to take to a different result and i think when i heard him these were th- these were the kind of bits that sort of made me realize that i must also approach my very very uh, relatively flimsy project in comparison to the space program uh, in the same in the same uh, vein uh so that's that's i just wanted to add that bit uh, as well sorry to break this up guys just wanted to remind you to rate us on your podcast application you know what a fantastic story so if if i can actually kind of i mean i'm glad you brought that up but again without revealing 
too much about that. I think there is a factual piece that I think you even quote a, 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 a newspaper article in that episode about finding Tumba, which is the the place where the first rocket launching site was actually um, started. Uh, again, once again, I must state this whole thing is so amazing, not just because of the ingenuity and the inventiveness of of the Indian space scientists, but about the fact that, I mean, I just want to draw in what the world looked like at that point of time. And I think if you listen, especially for the folks who are not from this part of the world and having known a bit of history about this, this was a world which is at the peak of Cold War. India was this country, a young, by definition, poor country uh, in terms of the of, of the WHO kind of statistics and, and, uh, and the UN statistics at the time. It... Um, strategically or politically it was aligned to or rather it did not align to any of the major powers it was big part of a non-aligned movement uh, at the time so therefore it wouldn't align politically to either the united states or it wouldn't align itself to russia despite that the fact that the scientists were able to pull off some amazing collaborations with people from NASA sending scientists over to to uh, to Maryland for training, um, and then over to kind of um, Houston and and over to Orlando for the launch station, and then many others. And the reason why I say this is because um, there is a personal story. My own uncle, my father's elder brother, he joined uh, the Indian Intelligence Service, not ISRO, but Indian Intelligence Service. He the story goes that he. He's a really a nerd and he goes to interview for Philips at the time, which is the first multinational to ever come to India in, back in the late 60s, early 70s. He did not join. He finished his exam at the time to get into the company within 15 minutes. My father, who was in high school, kind of asked, why didn't you get, get like, why did you finish so quickly? Was it really tough? And he said, no, 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 I've answered everything. So that kind of a guy. And he gets into the office. His name was first on the list because it's a merit list. And then he goes to the site and he says, I don't like the site. It's filled with asbestos. I don't want to die of asbestos poisoning. And therefore, I'm not going to work here in the shed. Um, and then, nevertheless, he later on, he goes and gets goes for an interview. Back in the days of, of postcards, he goes for in train for three days to Delhi. And then they're hoping that on a week later, there would be a postcard that would come back saying that the interview went well, etc. There is just one sentence and he was a man of very few words. He basically, my uncle just said, going to America cannot reveal more. See you in a few months. And then he just signs and he, that's the only thing. My grandfather kept that very postcard for until he he died. And I think it's still there somewhere in my house uh, because we are a family of collectors of the of these things. But the reason why I say this is because in that world there were people, and he trained at the at the at the Kennedy Space Station in Orlando to do. So it was not just space science, but also many other areas that the Indian government was able to establish collaborations, international level collaborations, from people from U.S., from Russia, from France, and from many other countries, and then launched this. But there is this one very religious harmony story, uh, which I think is 
is something that is so unique to India, I think. Um, Gaurav, do you want to set it up so that people can actually go and, and listen to it? This is the same episode that, that Archana was talking, which is in Finding Tumba. Uh, you don't have to reveal any of the pot, plot lines, but we really want you to kind of just um, kind of explain this to people. Um, and I think there are some interesting things in there. Do you want to do that? Well, I mean, Archana totally should because uh, she read this and this was this was actually, uh, I think it was a blog article on a website that we came across uh, where they were talking about how Tumba was the perfect location for our first space center because it was east-facing, it was in the, very close to the sea and... I think I also saw I also saw a documentary recently on YouTube which was uh, about how with the current SpaceX uh, launches that are happening uh, SpaceX is trying to relocate an entire town because they also wanted like a peninsula or a piece of land that was jutting into the sea and where the sea was relatively calm that they could keep trying their rocket launches from. Uh, so, so I think this this was a problem faced everywhere in the world. But what made it especially interesting in Tumba was there, were, there was just a, <clears throat> the only big structure there that they could use uh, was a church. And, uh, and I think our space scientists saw this as the perfect spot and then wanted to take over that entire village which meant moving a church out of a village and all the villages out into another village. So, and and uh, if you know anything about India, trying to do trying to do things where you destroy religious uh, structures is not <laughs> is not the best thing to do. It's not uh, kindly. <laughs> it is not looked upon nicely at all. Uh, but given that, I think. It was navigated really nicely with them talking to the priest at the village, and and uh, there is the moment. I, 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 when when we produced the episode, I never thought, like I really liked it, but I never thought that would be something that resonates so much with people. But the number of people who have written about it and told me that that the moment where we literally read out someone's interpretation of what the priest's sermon might have been. I don't think it's an accurate retelling. Was it, Tarchana? I don't know. I doubt it. Actually, this is, uh, even though it's from the same, uh, the website or the blog is from the same uh, tradition of the church, uh, but I think it it would have to be uh, a paraphrase or a, or a summarized or a retold version of it. Uh, but um, from all that I have read, um, it seemed like uh, Father Pereira meant those, I mean, would have said something like that because apparently he was someone who um, strongly supported uh, uh, such activities that would benefit the country and or a state or even a, or a population. So I feel like um, it, it came closest to what we could find. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I mean, I didn't think that that would be the moment that everybody would uh, be so taken by. But it's fascinating to see the reaction, truly. You have a very unique ability to, and, and, and history of bringing together multiple religions for um, 
sort of the common good. And what I really loved about the whole story that you guys have put together is that um, this is this is really not a story of um, making sure that we're the first to do something, but like you said in the in the quote, we are the best. And this is this is a, a tremendous um, demonstration of team science and over overcoming religious barriers, economic barriers. When when the argument was made, you know, we're a young country, we don't have the resources to to put on a program like ISRO, and the answer simply was, we can't afford not to. Um, and and I really love the way you've been able to pull that team spirit all the way through the story from beginning to end. It's, um, the, it's the there's more, no success without the whole team. The most important thing, though, with with the way India approached reaching space was it, I don't think uh, the early scientists, at least, and and the three three men that we talk about repeatedly, uh, Jawaharlal Nehru, Homi Baba, and Vikram Sarabhai. I don't think they wanted to be the first or the best. They just wanted to have a space program. They just it it wasn't it wasn't a race and it wasn't like they weren't comparing us against anyone else either. They just realized that having this technology or being able to do this will as as in one of the episodes we talk about will leapfrog the country instead of an organic slow growth process and and it and it truly did. Uh, there is an episode that I think closer to the end of the show where we talk about the impact that just the television has had in India. And I mean, television didn't start in India as an entertainment thing at all. It started as an educational tool, as a replacement for mass education, really, or not not a replacement, but a stand-in or a substitute of sorts for for mass education versus it starting out as an big entertainment in entertainment into your homes thing. And there's images which were truly shocking. And, and, and what's interesting is none of this is taught to us in our schools. Uh, the, the truly amazing thing in all of this for me was there are pictures where there, there are hundreds and thousands of people sitting in a village and, uh, looking at one single television. I mean, literally three rows behind, you cannot even see what's on that screen. It was a small CRT television screen. Uh, and there's like, and there's a picture with hundreds of people in front of it listening yeah. to a program about farming. Yeah, which is the most important kind of um, statement that, that you folks make uh, that is also accurate as well, that it was the biggest scientific communication experiment in the world and is still to this date the biggest scientific communications experiment and i think that was arthur c clark statement that wasn't (laughs) which i think is, is is fantastic i mean the fact that and again that was that was a scientific experiment that was done in collaboration with nasa where nasa wanted to develop other satellite technology and they and satellite communications um, kind of breakthroughs and they needed a population that was large enough and still be amenable to actually having this outside the boundaries of of their country so therefore i think 
the story goes that Brazil and India were probably in the running, but again, due to various other kind of signs and and political factors, etc., I believe India won, and lo- mostly due to the ingenuity of of the people who were at the helm, and that led to this incredible kind of social experiment that led to the dawn of television in India, while most people in 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 the us where or in other parts of the world were already exposed to other forms of television at that time in in the 70s so this is not this is where technology we talk about internet and we talk about whatsapp and instagram and other things but this is the first time where a real technology was given in to the in the hands or to people um and it was put in the hands of people and it was seen as a tool for greater social good which i think is the most incredible historical kind of viewpoint of of this particular experiment and it's called this site for all the people and people can go search it on wikipedia but i strongly suggest if you want to know the history of that again go back to the podcast what is one of the most recent kind of episode at this point of time but i think there will be a few others can i just transition from there into history uh, a bit um not just of the space program but especially as a proud indian who lives in the uk i've most people who come to the to london they always go to the tower of london to go see the kohinoor especially all the indians and i think uh, people of indian origin and very few people actually know that that one of the most strongest rulers and probably i would say there i say scientific pioneer in rocketry was from india um and his armory and his war robe is all located in windsor castle uh and there's a reason why the british people um especially the east india company held him in such a high ex- esteem and there's a reason why despite him being the greatest adversary that they ever had they still have um things that were taken from the conquest to be displayed here uh in Windsor Castle. Um do you want to say a bit more about that link and I think for our American audience there is a very close connection that you bring up right at the beginning of that episode which is to their national anthem as well. Um um yeah okay uh, so this is I, i mean i don't know uh, i don't know if this is a spoiler but i could name the can i name the ruler as well and how does this work i don't i'm not really sure um but yeah um i think one of our uh, earliest pioneers of um, rocketry was uh, this mysore ruler uh, called tipu sultan and um, his father as well hyder ali and uh, um this is the story that's actually not that uh, um it's it's not unheard of in at least in the last um, uh, i mean i've seen this written about uh, at least in the last few years also uh it's a fascinating piece of history about um, interconnections with you know uh, a piece of innovation that's done in one part of the world uh, through war it reaches another part of the world and then again through war it reaches a whole other part of the world so it's it's it's, it's pretty Uh, for me it was really fascinating to see that connection with how um uh even even uh, terrible uh, things like war uh, did did do this little bit uh, to further perhaps the science behind rocketry and uh, um in that in that sense 
so yeah um again i as a question to you guys how much do i reveal because this is uh, this is a pretty interesting story and i don't want to sure. our listeners to feel like they've said it all yeah absolutely so do you want to tell i mean i think the way let, let, let me do the honors then archana without revealing the plot here okay. i think it is to do with the very phrase um i can't do a harsha bogle <laughs> but i will try to be the closest impersonation of that it is the rocket's red glare in in the american national anthem that speaks to the the plumes of fire and smoke that comes from a rocket being fired um that was fired um when the poem about that ultimately became the american national anthem was written in um uh, during the the war between the british troops and and the american soldiers um it was fought in maryland and that connection and the rockets that was fired there and how is that story of that and the reason and or rather where the rockets came from originally where uh, inventions that were made by an indian ruler in the late 1700s um that ultimately the british took that technology or that know-how and ultimately developed their own tools and 60 or or 50 or 60 years later they were fighting on the other side of the world with with the americans and uh, that's how the story yeah. travels thanks for that by the way yeah and 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 i don't know if 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 many americans also do realize that that part of history um i i know i know a lot of uh, especially some of the pageantry and, and the american lore and certainly the songs are a big deal um in my upbringing um but i didn't know that there was an international influence at play here <clears throat> yeah absolutely so one other thing you rightly touched a bit on some of the leadership lessons and i think we always hear more recently and in the last few years that scientists are born to do science and leadership or what is called as soft skills um uh is not natural to scientists but you, there is all through the storyline of your of the of the whole genesis and the evolution of the indian space research organization isro there are some remarkable learnings um that that I, that we kind of spoke about a bit about talent building about hiring people hiring the right type of people um and then um um uh, project management and it's almost improvising i think the word agile project management i think for people who actually have known that i think it's more of a relatively new term these guys actually did it with improvising on on, on a daily basis as to what agile project management really was um and all of this um kind of comes through in uh, remarkably well so that that's one of the big reasons why that part the people are able to relate to the podcast i think one is just the story uh, it's about the characters the 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 what they were able to ultimately bring about in terms of of um big leap frogging in terms of peace and prosperity for a nation but beyond that is just about how they went around being able to do that uh is it just the case of keep it simple stupid archana which is which is what is mostly said um it's almost like 
uh, what exactly is that? Did you get a feeling when you spoke with with Chitness and when you spoke with Pramod Kali and and others? Did you feel that that is exactly how they operated, or right? Actually, um, this was a question I asked them a lot about. You know, isn't this so daunting? How did you just go about like you know you never built a rocket in your life, and here you are trying to do this? And I'd constantly ask, and what I'd get in return was just we just did it, and it was not like a like a oh yeah, it was very difficult. I mean, they so they weren't. they weren't under the assumption that uh, this was e- easy or that they knew anything uh, about space technology at that point in time they were well aware of their limitations they were very well aware of what was possible but they also were from an era when uh, i think they just wanted to be a part of this big moment in 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 indian history and somewhere i think that's where the leadership of say see someone like dr sarabhai or dr baba comes in where you're able to inspire a bunch of young scientists and tell them that you know this is something we're going to do and it is possible and um, as daunting as it may seem we can we can figure this out and along the journey many scientists from time to time and i was interviewing them i was asking them that for instance there is uh, dr surendra pal who i interview um in in an episode about how india built our first satellite and uh, he was also talking about you know he would he once went to dr sarabhai and said you know i have, I have no expertise in this particular aspect uh, of space technology and uh, he said that you know no none of us are experts um, we're all going to just learn this on like as we go along and there are books there are people um you tell me what you want and we'll put you in touch with those experts and those people we'll have discussions there were so there were different management styles that and leadership strategies that were at play there was some someone like sarabhai who would throw a problem at a bunch of scientists perhaps different groups of scientists the same problem was thrown at and whoever would come up with a solution could then um, that would be used then there was someone like dr dhawan who would install was very good at gauging who's a good project leader and would install that person at for that project and um, would then very very wonderfully from the back support uh, this particular project leader to ensure that you know he or she reaches that uh, um, the the result so i feel like there were there was this there were multiple styles of management for sure and yes as much as it's a story about space technology and achievements and all of it, it is actually a, a large story about management and project management at the time yeah. when there were not enough resources budget was was relatively all right but again this was not technology that was easily shared between countries so a lot of this was was uh, was like jugad like like uh, like a lot of the scientists themselves say so um yeah i i think it's it's inspiring to see that uh, and for me at least almost unrelatable to to believe in this kind of vision and be like okay we can do this at a the moment there's all charged with a kind of um, wanting to do something for the country they were also as much as the top leadership even the scientists were pretty clear that um they weren't in this to launch the first satellite or the first rocket or be the first in space it was all about doing something for the country and um, 
that's something that I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's a whole other kind of nationalism, to be honest, uh, from where we yeah. are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for, for the for the people who are listening, the word jugad is very difficult to frame or translate into English, but it's almost like you do with what's available, but you make the best use of it and you achieve the objective that you need to do. So there's no compromising on the end objective, but you actually make do with, with what's available to hand to achieve that. that. That's the best translation that I can come up with for in, in a politically correct way. Um, and I think there were, there was, there's, I just want to pick on one aspect of that. Um, and I don't know if you spoke about that with Dr. Chitness at all. Um, I think in almost a stage of the space uh, research organization, Genesis and Evolution, the Genesis almost required, um, and I might get chastised for it, but in terms of just the sheer energy and the intensity that that Dr. Vikram Sarabhai was able to bring to the whole um, start of the space journey. Um, and then you almost had, so I think it looked like he thrived on a very busy lifestyle and a very chaotic lifestyle, etc. And you kind of make a very good uh, kind of, um, you almost mark it very well in the part, in the podcast. And then you had Dr. Davin, who again was teaching at Caltech and who would, and when he gets the call from the Indian prime minister, he almost says, I will attend to the call or tell her that I will call her back once I finish my lecture. So that almost shows the intense level of commitment that these people have towards what they do. And I don't know of any one scientist in the world, or I've not heard of anybody else, if a head of a nation is actually calling, if they would actually go and say, and this is not anybody else. This is this is Prime Minister Indira Gandhi. Way before Margaret Thatcher and the world, there was actually the, the Srimao Bandaranaike and Indira Gandhi who were women prime ministers in the world and it's only after that that margaret thatcher kind of comes on in the late 70s in as a prime minister in british politics so but the reason why i state all of this is because dr davin looks like he's more of a streamline kind of process oriented person so it's almost like is it more of a coincidence or is it more an a product of where we were as a country that initially you needed that crazy person, the crazy inspiring person in Dr. Sarabhai. Uh, and then it had to transition over to someone who was a bit more streamlined and process oriented uh, that would work well with all the other young people because people crave that that regular uh, or what must I say, the process after a particular point of time. So did you get that feeling or did you ask Dr. Chitness about it? Because I wondered about that when I was listening to a couple of episodes of the podcast. Yeah, so I think I think uh, one of my favorite things about the story is the fact that there's no one or two reasons why this this happened the way it did. It's a combination of so many different things, and I feel like the more and more we get into a, a, a world where we are simplifying history, simplifying a lot of narratives, this is complicating it, and I like it. I like the fact that there's no one person or one uh, kind of uh, style or one one factor that made something happen. Um, that's one, and it's hard to say. I mean, from what I for from my interviews, um, if say there was not Dr. Sarabhai, it's really hard to say how uh, the Indian Space Program would have started, when it would have started, who would have started it. It's. I mean, this is this is entering the realm of speculation in that sense. And 
um and if it was not his style of of being there everywhere almost he was not just heading the space program and he was doing so many different things and all of it has left an imprint on our lives today and i feel like it's hard to say again if if it was not that kind of energy at the start um how else we would have taken off having said that a lot of the scientists recognize and sort of give him the entire credit uh for that kind of energy at the start and perhaps that was necessary at that time uh that kind of uh a confidence as well as uh, ability and stature as well internationally to be pull pull that off um uh, at a time when you know you there is of course he's he doesn't come from he comes from privilege so he doesn't is there's, there's a lot of advantage already but at the same time he came from Uh, a society or from an era when all of them sort of used their privilege for a certain kind of good they all believed in the idea of india and they wanted it to be a certain way that's what brought people like nehru baba and vikram sarabhai together in a sense because they all had the shared vision of what this country ought to be and where it should go and they recognized very early on that without science there's really no way to pull us out of hunger superstition and a lot of that um and very it 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 is purely coincidental that it was dr dhavan who happened to uh, head it apart from the fact that he was obviously the right uh, sort of successor and that they had identified it it's not without reason that the prime minister re- reaches out to someone like dr dhavan and specifically waits for him because he did have that uh, stature as well as the reputation and the merit and the qualifications to take on a program like this having said that i think a lot of them do acknowledge that he came at the right time because by the time we were in 1970 uh we needed to streamline isro had already come into being from from a committee that looked at space science it had become an organization and once you become an organization you do need some kind of a streamlined sort of a way forward and he did he's a very what from what i hear he he had a very calming sort of influence on the whole thing he had a he had a process in place and he was an excellent manager and no almost nobody told me otherwise and almost everybody said we are so thankful that it was him who took on right after that at that stage when nobody expected to be left leaderless at that time yeah that's i mean recently i came across i was actually talking to someone and this was said in the context of another organization that i was personally a part of uh and and it is true of every successful company in the world that you need one kind of person to take a project or a company from 0 to 1 and then you need another kind of person to completely to take it from 1 to 100 it's the it's the 0 to 1 that sarabhai and homi baba and nehru did in 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 whatever way was possible i mean we call it uh, uh jugad but it it is basic first principles thinking right i mean elon musk made it a lot more popular than it is uh, considered in the world but first principles thinking truly is just evaluate the idea and if you think it can work then it can work and there's no like anecdotal evidence shouldn't be the reason you don't do something or don't try something uh, and 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 that's what we did we just is like why can't we send a rocket uh, up into space let's just give it a shot and we did so whatever it takes to get that to achieve that was done and then once you have an established 
process running and you've seen this in in like Microsoft and Google and every company the founders themselves aren't the best CEOs uh typically for for a company and they're great to get the idea off the ground but not to take it to a, a certain stage that it should go to we've definitely definitely covered that with a with a lot of our our friends and guests that um the idea man or woman isn't necessarily the best leadership um so i wanted to ask you Garb, of these 40 ideas that you guys proposed um in your initial meeting or secondary meeting with spotify what's next what's on for seasons two and three this is a tough act to follow i'm curious <laughs> well with the podcast itself there's still a couple of episodes to go with mission isro so we're still in the process of uh, i think we'll evaluate it once the the entire podcast plays through and then i mean it's it's not like we can turn this around in in a week or two this is going to take this is going to haunt arshina for another couple of months once uh, Once this is done, she's already trying to wiggle her way out of it. So <laughs> it's going to require some convincing on all fronts to get this <laughs> going again. Uh, I mean, with with ISRO itself, uh, we're still trying to figure out what next steps will be. Uh, with with the company, we're doing two other podcasts that should be announced soon. They're they're actually biopics on uh, some iconic South Indian legends. Uh, and and this is the first time we're uh, going out of Hindi or English, and we're doing these as podcasts in Tamil and Telugu, which will be South Indian languages that coincidentally none of us speak. Which is there are four South Indian states, and the team that we have come from the two states that we're not doing the podcast. The the two states whose languages we're not doing the podcast in. so it's been an interesting challenge and uh, that should that should actually go on air by the time this episode goes on air i guess uh so even even in the tamil are you going to have the um the same narrator because those dulcet tones are are just so soothing i love listening <laughs> no i don't think harsha speaks that tamil he, he does speak telugu yeah he does speak telugu he but no a lot like a neel kapoor <laughs> Oh that will be that 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 will be the opposite of a compliment. Uh <laughs> for I guess I'm sorry I I I th- I thought it was a compliment. It's it's actually it's actually quite interesting how Harsha happened to come come into this project as well. Like when when we Go started making the podcast, I, I was refraining myself from asking that question <laughs> as a fanboy moment. When we uh, when here. we started uh, when we conceptualized this podcast uh harsha was was not the host uh we had, we actually didn't have anyone in mind to host this and for the longest time uh this was meant to be a podcast in hindi so we even had someone who specifically was going to write this podcast in hindi on board as part of the team and uh we were like i think arshin and i were joking about to say even if the podcast goes out in hindi we'll at at no cost to spotify we'll record another version in english and we'll release that as well uh because and and then i guess i mean this is the diversity of india right because we were speaking to spotify closer to when the interviews were completed 
with all the guests that you hear in the episodes and said you know you know what i mean hindi is a language spoken in a large part of india but it's nowhere close to the only language spoken in india and uh, most of south india and in fact uh, 100% of the guests on this podcast are all south indian or carried out a majority of their work in south india so none of them have spoken to us in hindi everyone spoken in english uh and we did it, it will be choice uh, to speak in hindi or yeah hindi. and we asked them chose english and yeah, then and they chose this, english. this is the funny thing right when when nasa asked the uh, the, the indian <laughs> yeah. space to send scientists they basically specifically and this is this is this speaks to the unconscious bias that people have uh when when they talk about kind of um perception of the world um and this is not endemic to just one country but just us as human beings in general they were just assuming that or they wanted people with only phd's and the reason was that they assumed that if somebody had done a phd degree that they, they would be very well conversant in english yeah and and i think it was dr chitnas or or dr pramod kai who basically say that um well we will take care of that but you you you'll basically have people who will speak in yeah, english uh, yeah. on, it was sarabhai actually who said who told nasa that uh, we'll take care of that don't worry and what's fascinating is those four five scientists who initially went to train in america the language that they spoke to each other was english because that's what correct was yeah they didn't have a common language between the four of them either so so uh, and and we were constantly so our first podcast that we ever put out we had gul panag narrate and she is really like if you if you listen to special mission again there was absolutely no reason like there was no intention to have this common mission in everything that we do uh but it turned out that way uh and gul really set a big like a really high standard for for audio narration for us at least while producing it and then we kept wondering uh who we should bring on this and then you know it was actually sidin's idea uh, who said it should be someone that will be completely unexpected that we should that no one should expect the the, the thing also is that when you bring on a host that person comes with his or her own personality and come, brings that to the mix and i don't want to either dissuade people like i largely we did not want to dissuade people from listening only because this person is a scientist or a science person and you know how interesting can this be i'd i'd like the voice to be something iconic and someone who will be able to i think archana's biggest criteria was that the person should be able to pronounce half the words she writes in the script uh, <laughs> so uh, and and harsha was a dream to work with and it's it's gotten to this point actually i i, I just wanted to i'm just going to paste this in the chat uh this was this is the funniest thing that i saw this morning if you guys click this is uh, this is actually from harsha's twitter where he posted a picture of him sitting he's currently in quarantine in dubai comment commentating on the uh indian premier league how wonderful and uh, and he sent a picture of him doing some audio uh, thing with 
on Skype with someone and and one of the tweets in response to that uh actually i should send you this link this is the more important link <laughs> uh the tweet in response to that was uh, this must be mission isro that you're recording <laughs> when when actually harsha has completely finished recording the entire season before yeah. he left uh so, yeah and and i think he this is probably for, for there's a tournament that's going on for called indian premier league and i think the harsha is one of the guests for for one of the analysis shows that he does for crickbus so i think looks like and, yeah probably it must be something yeah. like that that he's doing but definitely not yeah. our, our our podcast but uh the thing was i mean when we even reached out to harsha uh sidin i think he had mentioned this in passing to sidin online somewhere that uh he was lamenting saying the only people approaching me with things to do are people who want me to do more and more of cricket and his uh, cricket related engagements are so tightly controlled because that's his entire personality uh, and career at least not personality uh, and and you know he's very selective on what he does with cricket because that's his identity almost uh so when we went to him saying will you narrate a podcast about space science i don't think i think it was just a matter of no one else had asked him this before which which really worked in our favor so uh i i think this was ne- uh, agreed upon in like 5 minutes where sidin yeah. sent him uh, like it was a text message saying will you do this and he was like what are the dates is it will it finish before i leave to the ipl and we said we'll ensure it finishes before yeah. you leave and so, then he said yeah sure done this actually comes back a very personal kind of lesson that i follow in my life uh which i think harsha uh, and i've learned it from harsha and i think this is important for anybody who listens to it um uh, he was on another podcast he was a like, harsha was a guest on another podcast with another person who was also on on this podcast called Jared Kimber um and one of the things that that uh, Harsha told on that podcast with Jared was the very first time that he ever saw he got a check for doing what commentary back in the early 80s in India this was way before television where everything was radio commentary he thought that somebody had 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 kind of mistakenly added an additional couple of zeros on the check um but then I think what's so humble and what's remarkable about Harsha and I think this is a whole package that you guys have and it's important to just talk about that. The thing that I learned from him and is that he always says and I've heard him say in a couple of places that he never says no in his life. If it ultimately pans out, that's great, but he never whenever he hears an idea, he never says no and he says that's what has taken me into all of these uncharted territories in life and i think that is a fantastic life lesson as well and it's almost a story of of the the mission isro uh, podcast as well is that i think the people who worked in it um some of those remarkable scientists in what you guys have done is that at least even though you might have doubted it as archno was saying you never said no to that and i think we're all richer for that and i think it's been a fantastic kind of um um it it's it's been a fantastic kind of experience just listening to the whole thing and i've listened to a few others that you guys do at 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 all things small which is what ats studio 
which is a producer, a produce production company that you guys do the podcast and also the other efforts. Do you want to say a couple of other things about your your company, Gaurav, before we close? Sure. Uh, we've we started, like I said, a year ago, and uh, he was actually a common friend of all of us who introduced us to each other, saying, "I know all of you are looking to do something in the space of media and entertainment." And truly, all of us come from the most diverse backgrounds possible. Uh, Sidin, Sidin, you know, is an is an author and a journalist. Supriya is a journalist editor who's actually who's whose entire project 52, the website that you were talking about, the plane crash, uh, is. Devaya is a writer who worked for a comedy collective and wrote sketches for a living and ad copy. And uh, I'm an, I'm a computer science engineer turned musician who traveled the world playing bass guitar. So... And you were part of the Dabradikshit project as well. Dabradikshit project, yeah. So, so completely different backgrounds and we came together... Only because I think, I think, uh, and and I asked this common friend of ours who put us together uh, and introduced us to each other, like what what made you do this? And I think the only the only reason he thought it was good to do this, it like none of us had run companies before. This is all. This is the first time for all of us uh, running companies. So running a company actually. So <laughs> and and the reason he said he put us together was because uh, our personalities would mean that we wouldn't fight with each other. That that's literally all it was. It wasn't that we'll be great for running a business or anything. None of us knew that we could do this uh, when we started the company, and from there, I think the shared vision that we had was that we will make. non-fiction or true story focused uh content coming out of india because there are so many stories like my favorite quote about india i think is from forget the name of the book uh it's it's the it's a quote that says for everything that you've heard about india that's true the opposite is also true uh shantaram shantaram i think that's the book shantaram uh, has it uh and and that was that is that is the most fascinating thing about india which is there are so many stories to tell and we still try with fiction i don't know why uh and and we truly wanted to be a non fiction true stories focused media house and uh make content that is uh done like this one of one of the new podcasts that we will release which is uh, not yet Uh, been commissioned by anyone which is in the works is uh, which archana also had an initial hand in kicking off was is uh, is called 377 which is the story of how section 377 was overturned in india and uh, joe if you don't know section 377 is this rule that is that was you know shoved into our constitution from uh from the time of the british rule which uh, criminalized homosexuality in a very roundabout way it it wasn't even that it criminalized homosexuality it it uh, essentially 377 said unnatural sex uh which is which is how it it's that blanket statement that covered it and there was a petition made by a group of people and this law was read down and it is no longer criminalized 
uh, gay marriage though is not allowed but uh, at least the rule has been stricken down and there was a petition made and there was an entire movement of people who went uh, petitioned the supreme court in in india and fought this case over years and uh, got this done so we got in touch with the original petitioners the legal team that were involved and uh, that's a podcast that's currently being produced and should be out soon <clears throat> uh so we're we're in the middle of right and after mission isro actually coincidentally like arun reached out to us a bunch of people have reached out to us with ideas for podcasts and that's really fascinating so we're trying to do we're we're in the process of evaluating some of them and if it works out i think we have some really cool stories this this is just in the podcast division so we have 52.in which is our long form storytelling platform it's a journalism uh, portal where over there as well the idea is to tell one story a week and to tell it beautifully that's it we don't want to be the people who will break your will come with tom do with breaking news we do not want to have in fact we have the opposite of clickbait titles we have one word titles on the <laughs> on the site and we have the opposite of uh, you know how people say to write short and crisp and concise so that people yeah. can read it in one glance yeah we have 5000 word articles on that site uh, <clears throat> and with one word titles so the uh, it's it's crazy we launched two year two weeks ago and we've had 50000 people read stories yeah. on on our site which uh, which is crazy i we never and we haven't promoted it we've just literally put out accumulative 10 twitter updates about it yeah uh, and and the word is spread from there so it's it's obvious to us that uh there is an interest in content like this and as as much as possible we'd like to keep doing it yeah and the market is massive right and and i think this this again speaks to how you guys are are innovating and catering to the market i mean people talk in the area that we are in it starts off everything starts off in the western world and then it moves east uh in healthcare i think uh unless you are in surgery uh and 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 you're operating on people that's when things move really fast to the other side of the world probably first before it actually comes to the other side um and uh yeah so it's a fantastic job that you guys are doing and we really really hope um that uh there is a season 2 and a season 3 possibly exploring what is now kind of the most recent story um which is the launch of the mars mission at i think one third or one fourth of the cost that that nasa ultimately did for its mars mission so i think it is it speaks to the ability of an organization that was built from humble beginnings to and you guys have covered it so beautifully thank you so much for bringing the story to all of us and I hope our listeners and everybody who is listening in kind of appreciate the pain that you guys have undergone to kind of bring the story to us. It's never easy. I think everybody hears the wonderful voice of Harsha in the friend and that should always be what it is because it's always polished and he sounds fantastic, but it's about the work and the people behind it and we're really really grateful that you that you kind of picked up the um the the phone and you answered me gorov uh when i contacted you and i'm uh, and i feel really humble uh, that you guys chose us, chose to talk to us awesome. thank you thank you for having us thank you thank you so much yeah
Thank you. Absolutely. Our sound editor is Sayantan Chandran. The soundtrack was Digger by Acidat. You can find their collections on Apple iTunes Store, Google Play Store, Spotify, and many other platforms. This is Arun and Jojo signing off. Okay.